Welcome to today's episode of Hey Ashley J. My name is Ashley, and in this podcast, I'll be sharing my experience and explore topics as a 20-something Asian Canadian just trying to figure life out. Hello, 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 folks. Welcome back to the podcast, and happy Lunar New Year to anyone that is celebrating it. If you are celebrating Lunar New Year, I hope that you get to eat good food and, you know, get to spend a lot of good quality time with your families. So this week, I'm talking about navigating my identity as a first-gen immigrant and the challenges that I faced figuring it out. And before I start, I just want to say that though there's a lot of overlapping experiences amongst immigrants and those raised in immigrant families, This is just my story, and I'm in no way generalizing the immigrant experience, since that's truly a unique journey for every single immigrant. So, as I've touched on in a previous episode, I am a first-generation immigrant, moved to Canada when I was seven back in 2004, and, you know, pretty much grew up here. I came from mostly a homogenous country, and had to adjust to Canada's multicultural society. I don't have a lot of vivid memories of my childhood, but I do remember growing up feeling like I didn't really know where I fit in. So I started to question whether the goal of successfully integrating into society was to blend in and not stand out with my Asian-ness. So no stinky weird lunches or wearing anything that was bought from back home that makes me stand out. And if you're a Canadian millennial or older Gen Z, you might remember buying clothes from Lysenza Girl, which basically walked so Justice could run today, though I'm not even sure if Justice or any retail store catered to girls aged 5 to 10 outside of the children's place is successful still. But anyways, other examples of not wanting to stand out are when there's an opportunity to share my knowledge of my native language to the class, I pretend that I don't know or I don't code switch and I just say it the whitewashed way so that I come off as I'm just so removed from my culture that I don't know how to say it properly. Though I do suffer from anxiety and me not wanting to stand out could very well just be because of that, I know that I made conscious efforts to not let everyone know about my culture. And honestly, it's embarrassing and shameful to say it, but my parents just understood that in order to survive, we must blend in. So we wouldn't really have a lot of conversations about how important it is to preserve our culture and to be proud of it. To my parents, it was just better that we assimilated so that we wouldn't be bullied or struggle in the way that they did in their workplace. And before we left for Canada, my parents understood that French is actually one of the national languages, and they forced my brother and I to practice with these French CDs before we even left so that we would pick up some of the language before we came here. What's funny is they realized later that we moved to an English-majority province, so luckily we didn't really have to worry about learning French. Just thinking about how my parents suffered in their first few years here reminded me to always be grateful for their sacrifices, because leaving your comfortable, established life in your 30s and 40s is not easy. The way of life must have been harder to adapt to for them, the language barrier must have been such a big struggle, And on top of that, they had to provide for three kids with minimum wage jobs, even though they're both university educated. A lot of immigrant stories include the fact that kids had to grow up being a minority in the class and being surrounded by white kids all the time, but that wasn't the case for me. I grew up in the part of the city with a high concentration of immigrant families, so I was pretty much surrounded with kids that looked like me and kids of other ethnicities. And because of that, I didn't 
feel like I stood out that much because, you know, I wasn't the only Asian kid. The only difference between some of us, though, was that some were born here, and you can tell that they were very whitewashed. And that's kind of when I started to feel like I was different from the others. Not every Asian kid brought a homemade lunch. They would have the store-bought Lunchables where you would make the little sandwiches or the little pizzas, which honestly didn't even taste good to begin with, so I don't know why kids lived and breathed by that. But kids don't really have good taste in their age anyway, so I don't know why I'm even questioning that. And like I never had the guts to ask my parents to start buying me these Lunchables because I was already aware of our tight financial situation at that time and buying lunch was definitely pricier than eating dinner leftovers for lunch the next day. As a result, there were times where I would just bring a really shitty sandwich that I would barely eat and sometimes I would get lucky and I got a dollar to buy pizza pop but there were just days where I just didn't eat lunch because it was much better than bringing stinky food. There was a point in my life when I went back home for a vacation, which really turned into a six-month trip, and my mom decided to put me in school for a few months so that I'm not missing out on my education. The problem with that was the fact that the school system was entirely different from Canada's, and I don't have an established social circle that would help me get settled for the time being. So back in Asia, what they were doing at my grade level was already so advanced that I couldn't keep up and my grades were just horrible the entire time I was there. To make it worse, the honor system very much exists there, so I would constantly watch my classmates rank the top 10 honors list while my name never shows up. So the entire time I was there, I felt stupid and I cared so much about what others thought of me because I was already that kid from Canada that just came halfway through the school year, so I stuck out like a sore thumb from the get-go. And I felt that I had to prove to these kids that the education that I'm receiving in Canada is just as good as theirs, which definitely didn't come off that way with me not ranking. (laughs) That moment really pushed me away from identifying with my Asian side because I couldn't keep up with the studies there. And the kids there were just so different from me, and it was very hard to make friends. So what's funny and cringe about me struggling in school back in Asia for like six months was the fact that I somehow still felt like I was better than these kids. The internalized racism already came out and I didn't even recognize it. So obviously, coming from Canada, I was much better at speaking in English than them. And I tried to flex on these kids because I literally couldn't flex on any other subject. Like, of course, I was better at English because I received instruction entirely in English for three years after leaving. And our skill level wasn't even comparable because we were taught in entirely different environments, but I felt the need to be superior anyway. The way that I would feel superior over people that aren't whitewashed carried over well into my teens, which is embarrassing to admit because I only stopped being a teen like five years ago, which isn't that far back. And what's so annoying about me back then was that I only used me being Asian when it was beneficial for flexing. And... I really want to strangle past me and tell her to pick a goddamn struggle because how can I be proud to be Asian and be ashamed of it at the same time? I just wanted to be Asian enough when it was palatable for white people and it made me unique enough to be liked but not too much where it was weird and no one wanted to hang out with me. But then I also wanted to feel better than white people because I wanted to feel superior over them by flexing my ability to be bilingual. But I feel like the prime example of my internalized racism was in high school. And 
in high school there would be a group of newcomer Asians and like these kids would obviously need to go to ESL classes and they would all kind of hang out together because they all have like that similar experience of trying to settle in and integrate into the culture and society and I wouldn't really go out of my way to mix with them or talk to them because they're always talking in their native tongue in their free time, which I found annoying for some weird reason. And I had that mentality of, you know, we're in Canada, so you should learn to speak the language and blend in. And it's embarrassing to admit that I wasn't interested in mingling with the newcomer Asians because, you know, it's already horrible as hell to move to a new country when you're older. And it's so much harder to settle in and mingle when everyone has already established who their friends are and your understanding of making friends is different from how people become friends here and honestly i could have been a support system to a lot of these people and help them settle into this new environment society and culture and you know make make them feel less lonely but instead i chose to be part of the problem because i rejected the identity of where i came from So unlearning a lot of that internalized racism is a lot of work. You know, I'm still doing that work and I'm continuously going to be doing that work because, you know, as I've said, it's only been a few years since I really chose to be proud of both where I came from and where I am now. For so long, I rejected where I came from and wanted to just identify solely as a Canadian when I have this unique experience and perspective that isn't just Canadian. I enjoy the fact that Asian parties always bring everyone together and even though I'm not related to my family friends, they've become my chosen family because I'm so far away from my relatives. I love, live, and breathe Asian food and there's no way that I'm going to stop eating it and I hope that I can remake a lot of these recipes so I can continue to eat them with my loved ones in the future. As immigrants, we're never just one or the other, but a unique blend of both made up of our experiences. What's so important about unlearning internalized racism and learning to be proud of my identity as an Asian Canadian is because of racism as a system working against Asians and the BIPOC community. COVID-19 has increased violence against Asian communities, and in the weeks leading up to the Lunar New Year, there has been an increase in anti-Asian violence, especially amongst the elderly. Asians were always painted as the model minority. We're praised for achieving success in the countries that we immigrated to, being able to prosper academically and economically when, really, we're just an excuse to prove that systemic racism doesn't exist, even though there's data showing that although Asians manage to secure employment, their opportunity in advancing to more executive roles is slim and not as likely. And so the model minority is used to drive a big wedge between other disadvantaged groups, especially Black people, who are the most systemically dehumanized in society. The model minority made Asians become favored for being really hardworking and unproblematic when really, we just suck up the shit that we're dealing with because we know that standing up for ourselves won't be good for us. The model minority taught Asians to stay in their lane and we're supposed to feel like we're the lucky chosen ones that just get to fade in the background and be the ally of white people. It's important to unlearn the internalized racism and break the model minority myth because it only helps uphold white supremacist values and continues to keep BIPOC out of places of power to make an actual difference. I hate that it only took last year to really get everyone motivated to do something about inequality that's been happening for years, but dwelling on what didn't happen in the past doesn't do anything for the future. There's still so much work we need to do, and we can't stop until everyone is granted the equality that they deserve. And on that note, I guess this is the end of the episode. 
honestly, after like recording this episode, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to achieve here because I felt like I just talked about how shitty I was growing up for the majority of my life. But I think we can just appreciate how far I've come in this journey of figuring out my identity, unlearning the internalized racism that's been ingrained in me for a very long time, and just learning to stand up for what's right and using my voice to speak out on injustices on not just the Asian community, but the other marginalized groups that are also suffering because of systemic racism. Like, I'm so hell-bent on not getting attention to the point where I don't even speak out on these injustices because I don't want to get into heated conversations about it. And confrontation makes me hella uncomfortable. And this topic will warrant some pretty heated discussions depending on who you talk to. And I just wasn't ready for that. But at the same time, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I'm 100% ready to confront these uncomfortable conversations. If I wait until I'm 100% ready, it might be too late. Even though I hate confrontation, I don't like being yelled at. And, you know, there's so many opportunities where that could possibly happen to me. I'm going to stand up against injustices because I have a voice and I have influence. And this is something that I just can't stay silent on. I have young people in my house that look up to me now. And I don't want them repeating the mistakes that I did by staying silent on these things just because we don't want to be problematic and stand out for causing trouble. Standing up for equality and standing up against injustice is not problematic. And hopefully future kids will learn to stand up to these things without hesitation. Okay, well, I've rambled for a really long time now, but I'm probably going to edit a lot of that rambling out because I had to re-say a lot of my things because it didn't make sense. But thank you for listening to this episode and I will catch you in the next one. Bye!